I know that when people get involved in recovery, whether you're getting involved directly or you've got a family member or a loved one who's getting involved in recovery, that the idea of going to one of those self-help rooms, the idea of going to a 12-step meeting or to a smart recovery meeting, anything like that, is a little daunting. And part of the dauntingness is that people in these recovery rooms are expected, and I'm using air quotes, to give up the secret, to talk about their family's struggle. And that's hard. Nobody wants to think that they're the ones who are struggling or they're doing worse than anybody else. And I will tell you, when I did my step four and I coughed up everything that I had ever done wrong, things I hated about myself, things I loved about myself, when I did my inventory step, I was bawling. I was so terrified that this man who was my sponsor would no longer love me or help me. And there I was in a restaurant and he took my hands and I'm trying to wipe tears away. And he took my hands and he said, Aaron, I killed my grandmother so I could buy meth. And I realized that he had a story too. And he had his problems too. And he had his nightmares too. And this experience of being able to kill the secret began to kill my sickness. I have with me Dr. Bruce Lees, and I wanna thank you for joining me here on Beyond Risk and Back. This is a CCSAD, a C4 episode for our virtual 2020 conference, and it's at these conferences that I get the top experts, and by God, folks, when you hear Dr. Lees talk about his history, his training, you're gonna understand why it's so important that you hear the words directly from this doc's mouth about mutual help groups and group therapy, not just for the struggler, but for the whole family. My name is Aaron Huey. I'm your host for this episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much. And Dr. Lees, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate you being here, sharing your info with our family. So thanks much. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. I I so appreciate you sharing uh, so much personal, but also such a beautiful description of what it's like for people to enter into any kind of a a group where they reveal so much personal information about themselves. Um, So thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Doc, let's start with the, with the ETR, the earn the right. It's what we call in this industry. (laughs) How did you end up as one of these experts? I I mean, if we were all in the big conference room right now, you'd be up on stage with hundreds of people in the audience, but instead we're going to put you on camera and on audio in front of millions so that everybody, not just the other people in the industry, like me, like other facility owners, but everybody can hear the wisdom that you have about group therapy and mutual help groups but why are you in the industry how how did you end up working in recovery and you said for 37 years uh i believe even with the same company what are you doing in this industry why why are you doing that proverbial Uh, 12th step well um my company is the university of kansas (laughs) oh well there you go you're a professor I am, and I have been one for 37 years, and uh, I feel extremely fortunate to be able to teach uh, and to be able to do research on addictions, and especially fortunate to see patients uh, every single week. I've seen in the neighborhood of 20 patients every single week for 37 years, 
Um, this coming week, it'll be 28 patients. Last week, it was 27. And I run uh, a psychotherapy group uh, for people who have struggled with all kinds of problems. And I also do a smart recovery group online. And we also have a smart line where people can just call in uh, while, while they're struggling with addictions and ask questions and ask for help. So <clears throat> my teacher has been uh, uh, my patients. I feel very fortunate that I have never had an addiction. Um, I don't think that's a disadvantage. I have uh, I've felt honored to hear more stories than I could ever, ever, ever count. Um, my interest in addictions, uh, I, I got out of graduate school just as the AIDS epidemic started sure. and then just as the, uh, the, the cocaine epidemic started after that in the early 90s. <clears throat> and I had an opportunity to work with a mentor who was brilliant, um, has the first same, first, same first name as you, Aaron, Aaron Beck. Uh, and um, so uh, we tried to tackle addictions and see what we could do to help people. And I put together my, uh, my work. And I, at the time, I was working uh, it, both in group therapy and also helping people with smoking cessation. So I learned a lot about addictions through helping people with smoking cessation. And I'm not unsure that, uh, uh, that quitting smoking is among the most difficult of all addictions to, uh, to quit. That's at least what my patients tell me, who's quit <laughs> a lot of addictions. So uh, starting there and, um, and running groups for most of these 37 years and seeing many, many patients, uh, like I said, they've been my They've been my teachers. I have a PhD and I work in a medical center and I also, uh, I also develop programs for the community and do research, very direct research. Like I'm, one of the topics that I do research on that would certainly be of interest to parents uh, is uh, gaming. Oh, online the, gaming. Online so, gaming. It's the, the addictions around that. It's incredible. I have children in this facility currently who are up to 18 plus hours a day yes. with online right. gaming. Yeah. Yeah. And we've just finished a study on gaming and submitted it for a publication. So uh, what did you call it? My E what? C T my ETR. You're earned the right. How have you earned uh, the right to be here talking to people? And giving I feel like advice? it's an ETP earn the privilege. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Even better. All right. Let's jump into this idea. And I want to start with the voice in my listeners heads, which a lot of time is about 12 step and certainly being, you know, professional pr to professional as someone who has facilitated groups to someone like myself who has participated in group therapy and mutual help groups um, aren't going to these 12 step groups and these smart meetings, just another addiction. Can't people just go ahead and replace that? Speak to that for a second, because that's a question of people who don't understand what takes place in the rooms, but can going to those rooms be another addiction? Is it a cult? Is it just another spiritual teaching? What's going on in those rooms? Okay, well, <laughs> I love the dozen questions on your I face. Will, you kind of opened the door for me to just talk for several hours <laughs> while I won't, um, with, with all those questions. First and foremost, to generalize about anything that, is, uh, that can be characterized as a human endeavor is a huge mistake. Um, uh, there are no, uh, there, there's no one uh, 
there's no one identity of a person with an addiction. There's no one identity of a uh, of all twelve step groups. There's no one identity of smart recovery groups. So um, there are experiences people can enter into that function that that don't function really well for them. Uh, I'm trying to stay away from the terminology used, but I will answer it directly. I guess people, if a group isn't really productive and isn't focused on helping each other, uh, I guess it could be more, not like a cult, but maybe an addiction. Um, But I wouldn't say so. People get addicted to other people that aren't good for them. Don't forget an addiction, as you well know, has to uh, include uh, pretty terrible consequences. So I don't recall anyone ever suffering terrible consequences in a group. So no, I guess it's not a cult or an addiction now that I think about it. When, so, um, please go. Please you know, continue. Uh, given all those questions, uh, I really want to go back to what you said earlier, the thing about shame. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, uh, I think that in the society we live in, it's difficult to avoid feeling ashamed of who we are. We're compared to people all the time. We're measured uh, by metrics that are unrealistic. We are expected to be uh, perfect all the time. Uh, It's taboo to talk about our pain and suffering. Um, So I think, I think shame is a huge factor in uh, our lives in in this culture. And I think that uh, one of the ways people deal with the shame is to engage in addictive behaviors Um, because addictive behaviors, as, as you well know, uh, have the potential to enable people to numb out, to escape. Uh, and uh, technically what addictive behaviors do is they take all of your attention, all of it, and they focus it uh, on this one tiny itty bitty thing that might be drinking, might be smoking, might be shooting, might be snorting, might be binge eating, might be uh, pornography, might be gaming. So by getting that focal point on one thing, uh, the addictive behavior, uh, everything else kind of fades into the background, shame and depression and anxiety and, and hurt and loneliness and vulnerability. They all kind of fade as a result of addictive behaviors and going to a group, which initially might activate those shame kinds that we call them schemas. Schemas are kind of clusters of core beliefs and ideas. So by getting those activated in a group, um, you know, they're just kind of coming to the surface. They've, they've existed all along. We're taught not to be vulnerable, like I said a moment ago. So I think once people start hearing other people that have lived experience like their own, uh, it, it, the shame drops dramatically. I do a smart recovery online group every single Wednesday night. And every time we have somebody new, we hear the same thing. I don't feel as ashamed. I I am just amazed at how many people are going through the same thing as I'm going through. That doesn't make it a cult. um, And that certainly doesn't make it an addiction. Uh, It's a way to feel comfort and solace uh, when you're in a world of pain. And again, I would really highlight the shame issue. What happens in good groups, and I've actually visited uh, 12-step groups, uh, a, a couple of them, and I thought it was, I thought the ones I attended, one in particular that I remember was beautiful. I mean, 
People were supportive. They were nurturing. They listened well. They obviously cared for each other. And interestingly, this was a group that had never met because it was at a conference. Oh, wow. You know, I think, I think if there's an addictive component, it's not that people get addictive. It's that being cared for when you feel shame is an addictive thing. Uh, the, the challenge is to find, uh, to find uh, addictive things like that that won't beat the crap out of you uh, right. after you've done it excessively. And, and I, don't, I don't know anyone who's done AA or Smart Recovery or any of those programs excessively. People go because they have a need, because they feel lonely or empty or ashamed or afraid, or they just want to quit using. We haven't even talked about addictions yet. Right. I hope that's uh, I hope that's enough to answer your questions. It is, and what it does is it brings me to another question where I want to say, having you having been a facilitator of groups and watch groups and studying group therapy and mutual help groups, what is it about group therapy that makes it more successful, more impactful than just one-on-one therapy? A lot of a lot of recovery programs, residential programs, uh, PHP, OPs, outpatients, partial hospitalizations, and just 12-stepping and SMART are in group format and currently online. But what is it about the group thing? You've named so many benefits, but does do any of the benefits, does any one of them really stand out? As you can say, that's what makes the group so potent, that component right there. Or is it kind of the, 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 the mixed bag of it. What, what do you think? Well, I can answer that pretty easily. Um, you know, groups have, uh, groups create an atmosphere of support that is unlike therapeutic groups create an atmosphere of support like none other in society. Um, uh, and I want to bring people's attention to a, a, an author who, uh, I believe he's still alive. His name is Irvin Yalom, Y-A-L-O-M. And he's, his most recent publication is a thick, just beautifully written book. I think it's in its fifth edition uh, on group therapy. And he talks about therapeutic factors. And they include the installation of hope. Um, so hope is a big factor. Even if you are as down and out as you could be, seeing somebody across you know, the room in, in your group saying, hey, I can do this. Um, in some groups, it's perfectly acceptable to tell people you can do this. Um, there's a, that's, that's one therapeutic factor. Uh, another one is kind of the universality of, uh, or the common factors that, that uh, people share in common when they stru- struggle with addictions. Getting information you otherwise wouldn't have. One of my favorite factors, and the obvious factor is cohesiveness, group cohesiveness. You know, I had a mentor uh, 45 years ago named Walt Lifton, and he wrote this obscure book but, and did a video. Well, we didn't have video back then. He did a film, and the name of it was uh, Just Like a Family. I'll never forget that, and I'll never forget Walt Lifton, who I'm sure has passed. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things a group can do is to kind of recreate or, um, uh, or kind of, uh, enable people to be in a family type environment, uh, like none they've ever been in before. 
uh, Yalom called it correct. It's the, you know, talk about jargon. Yalom called it the corrective recapitulation of family of origin issues. One of the, if you look at each that one. Is, of the, that is so over the top, like well, scholastic and everything. Say that, well, say that sentence again. Okay, and I'm going to use each word and define it. So it's corrective. That's the first word. Right. Recapitulation, or as you and I like to call it, a recap. You get to have a re- you get to have a corrective recap of family of origin issues. You know, you come in late and nobody glares at you. Um, you get teary eyed and nobody calls you a sissy. How's that for a recap? A corrective recap of family of origin issues. Right. You uh, you use the accidentally use uh, drop the f bomb and nobody knocks you across the room. Um, you know, you cry and somebody next to you grabs your hand. How about that for corrective recap of family? So it's it's a chance to feel like you're part of a a family. Uh, and, you know, that's why when you ask me, is it is a group addictive? You know, if it's addictive, it's probably the best kind of addiction where you where you get to be cared about in ways that you weren't as you uh, came into this world and, and grew up. So, uh, you know, so one of my favorites of all the factors that make a group powerful is altruism. Altruism is is making when you're altruistic, you're giving to another I'll never forget, as long as I live, um, uh, when I had a very highfalutin, and that's not meant in a derogatory way, I had a pretty wealthy, articulate, well-educated patient in a group in a group of mine, and I had somebody who was um, just always on the edge of homeless, without a job, and just, they were suffering like, uh, like you can imagine. Yeah. And the person who had all these means was struggling with a particular topic. And this person who had nothing piped up and said, you know, and said a few kind words. And the person who has it all just started crying and saying, thank you, that you have no idea how much that means to me. The person who had had nothing in the world suddenly was the altruistic one, giving giving to somebody that has everything. So altruism is incredibly important the feeling that you're making the world a better place for someone. Talk for a minute about smart recovery as it in comparison to the 12 steps or just on its own, because it is something that is picking up a lot of steam, a lot of attention and, and, and a lot of facilities are using smart recovery groups uh, instead of, or in addition to 12 step programming. And, And I do think facilities should have both. Um, and the reason why I think they should have both is, is uh, might surprise you. So I am a uh, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I'm CBT. Sure you've heard CBT so often that you you could sing it in your sleep. You know what's what's really important is parents come into the facility and they say they said I got to do CB my kids got to do CBT and DBT and EMDR. I don't know what any of these things mean. Right. And so we we call that the the alphabet therapies, but CBT, DBT and of course EMDR are all phenomenal therapies. Well, and here's what's interesting. Um you know the the old story about uh all these people uh blindfolded touching different parts of the elephant and they all think they're touching something different when in fact it's the same elephant, whether you have its tail or its snout or its 
Right. You know, it's big toe or whatever. It's still the <laughs> elephant. Right. And uh, I really believe that uh, the there are, I, I don't just believe it. There's terrific research that demonstrates that there are common factors uh, to all mechanisms that help people to make changes in their lives. And I have, uh, I love so many of the, the 12-step slogans that are usually uh, that are usually cognitive behaviorally and, sure. and behavioral in nature. Um, you know, there's so, there's so many uh, actions that take place in a smart recovery group and a 12 step group and in psychotherapy and in a psychotherapy group that all aim to achieve the same thing, self-acceptance, uh, forgiveness, um, self-compassion, right. uh, skill development, the building of close relationships. So I, I, I believe, and it's interesting, even, um, even higher, the higher power, the, the emphasis on higher power in some, some 12 step groups more than other 12 step groups, right. you know, spirituality, technically speaking, is nothing more than focus on, focusing on something that's bigger than oneself right. that gives life meaning. Um, so, you know, the, the, uh, the fourth focal point of smart recovery is living a balanced life. And most people get balance uh, from believing in, in things that are bigger than themselves uh, as kind of uh, guiding stars. So there are, a lot of, there are a lot of functions in all of these therapeutic modalities that, uh, that are common to all and uh you know emphasis on one approach versus emphasis on what goes on in one approach over the other is good emphasis on the 12 steps is good for some people emphasis on the four focal points of smart recovery which i will now recite <laughs> the four focal points of smart recovery are um uh, helping people with motivation whether it's developing motivation or maintaining motivation to change. Okay, so that's one. They're pretty straightforward. Number two is helping people with urges and cravings for to use or to engage in their addictive behaviors. Focal point number three is dealing with thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and that's that's pure CBT. That's a lot of uh, all of these uh, use evidence-based practices. But the fourth one is living a balanced life, and you know. Who could be against any of those things? <laughs> and and so and one of the one of the many ground rules. There aren't many ground rules. One of the ground rules of smart recovery is you are absolutely not allowed, no matter what your experience has been with a twelve step program or any program, it is not allowed to bash any program whatsoever. Wow. So so if you if you started saying, I'm here because I don't like uh, AA. Uh, you can get away with that. But the, the moment you start saying there's something wrong with AA, the facilitator cuts you off and reminds you of the rule. Now, if you say, uh, and this is where I'm answering your question about having, or I'm saying there should be, multi, there should be AA and, and smart recovery or 12-step and smart recovery. You know, if what you say is there are parts of 12-step uh, 12-step program that I'm not comfortable with or that didn't work for me, or the structure doesn't work for me. I want more structure, or I want more direct lectures or tools. 
And I don't, I never got those in AA. You can say that right. because you're not bashing. You're talking about your own personal experience. So that is vital to understand. And um, I would say, I don't, it's not that I would say, um, since we started Smart Recovery in our community, uh, October 2018, so a year and a half ago, we have well over 200, 220 different wow. people have attended. Uh, some people have attended as many as 50 meetings at least half of them have benefited from AA or another 12-step program. So that's how much overlap there is. So it's not going to be an either-or concept. It's no, going to be a it, both. It should not be. Great. It, and, and a colleague of mine uh, just did a major review of, uh, of mutual health groups. And, you know, you can't do research on 12-step programs. You can't come in and take names and, and collect data from individuals. Um, but you know, this is John Kelly, and he did a Cochrane review, which is the most rigorous. And uh, you know, he found a lot of good support for for twelve step programs. And uh, I, I'm not surprised, as, as it should be, from what I've heard from hundreds, maybe thousands of patients at this point. So the two should stand side by side in any facility. Doc, as we wrap up here, how are families, parents, experts going to find you to connect with you directly, take some of your workshops, read your materials? What are some resources you have for the listeners? Well, most of the materials I have, I've, I've written, uh, you know, it's more than 50, 60, 70 articles, but I have a couple of books, but they are for practitioners. I am revising our Cognitive Therapy of Substance Abuse book, which will now be uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Addictions. But, you know, people can reach me by you know, emailing me. My name's Bruce Lease. My email is B-L-I-E-S-E. Uh, I'm the, the clinical director at the Coffrin Logan Center for Addiction Research and Treatment. I'm a professor of family medicine and psychiatry at KU Medical Center. And my email is blease at kumc.edu. And they can just reach reach out to you directly. Heck yeah, yeah. We I I've never been good at selling uh, anything, uh, <laughs> so, I, so I've always been a uh, I've always been a university kind of guy. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for this. This was great. I know that a lot of families have questions about SMART, 12-step, Al-Anon, AA versus NA, all this type of thing. This was a great intro to it. So You want to know one more thing. Yeah, when please. When I tell you the one more thing, you'll say, yeah, I'm glad you tell me the one more thing. The one more thing is SMART Recovery has a family and friends program that stands separate from SMART Recovery groups. So... Uh, not only can you go to Smart Recovery for yourself, but you can also go to Smart Recovery friends and family meetings for uh, families, just like Al and I. So I bet you wanted—I bet you wanted to know that. That's perfect because because Al-Anon for families is a big deal. That that type of thing really does help. Doctor Doctor Bruce Lee, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks for this. This was a great episode. Um, I'm really, I'm going to have you back on. We need a longer show. You definitely have a wealth of wisdom. I want to get get you back on a later show. So folks, stay tuned for another episode from uh, Dr. Lee's at a later date. But Doc, thank you so much. I appreciate you.
You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. Folks, this is where you find the place to kill the secret. It kills the sickness. A family is only as sick as its secrets. When you walk into a room and there's a group of other parents who are dealing with the same types of things that you have, you will not believe the relief and support you experience. So find a group, find a support community for you. I want to thank Deepin Productions for doing the music for this episode and for doing all the all the uh, uh, the editing and engineering of the show. I want to thank C4 Productions for everything that they've do in this opportunity to interview all these amazing experts at the CCSAD 2020 virtual conference. My name is Aaron Huey. I'm your host here at Beyond Risk and Back. We'll see you next week. And until then, parents, remember, you take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. We'll talk soon.